Now, for the show that brings combat sports stories to life from the great state of Ohio, this is Forged in Ohio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 49 of Forged in Ohio. My name is Jake Murrin, and I'm the host of the podcast. I always enjoy welcoming fighters on the show for the second time. And when this professional fighter joined me, I had just announced the launch of the Forged in Ohio Instagram page. It feels like episode 13 was forever ago, and there has definitely been enough to happen in the Flying Hawaiian's career to have him back on the show. It's, of course, Josh the Flying Hawaiian Pereira. Thanks for coming on again, Josh, and welcome back to Forge in Ohio. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for having me. Always an honor. Always an honor. Yeah, of course. So I know there's a lot to talk about ahead of your fight at Ohio Combat League 26, but I want to kind of start in chronological order from when you were on the first time on the show. You were 1-0 then. You're now, of course, 2-0 as a professional fighter with your win at LFA 160 in June. Before we get into the fight itself, what was it like fighting on a big stage like LFA, which, of course, is a promotion known for developing UFC talent? It was insane. The venue was gigantic. The cage was gigantic. It was also very slippery as well, but um, everything was so professional. Everything was laid out. It was it was great. But you know, the, the bigger and bigger the shows get, you, you notice that they they it's all the same at at the end of the day. Yeah, it's uh, they're all the same. I, I thought I was gonna have like this this big like oh gosh, it's it, it's uh, so cool, but it was just like it, it was it was just the same. Fights to fight. I had a game in front of, uh, opponent in front of me um, that was out of Glover Teixeira and Alex Pereira's gym. Yeah, just just a, a stud of a, a stud of a striker, very good grappler. He got me into some bad positions, even hyperextended my arm, and almost got me with the armbar. But I endured. I allowed my elbow to pop out, and I finished him with a spinning back fist in the third round. You know, it's um, it, it was it, it just felt like another day. Just felt like another day on the job. Yeah, so when you say that, like the pressure didn't get to at all, fighting for LFA, fighting on that big stage when you arrived, I'm sure everything was not so much like better than every other promotion you fought for, but I'm sure the scale was just a little bit bigger. None, none of that got to you? No, uh, not at all. You know, um, At the end of the day, win, lose, draw, um, the people that always support me are always going to be there. Um, you know, might get a couple of new fans along the way, but pressure makes diamonds, and I, I felt like there was no pressure at all. No pressure at all. LFA 160 was loaded with Ohio fighters, almost like an Ohio against the world type of card with nine fighters having connections to the state. Was that a comfortable feeling? What was it like being able to compete alongside a lot of familiar faces like that? Oh, it was so cool. Mateo, Josiah, um, Mindless Hulk, uh, Chelsea, and um, Jade on the card as well. You know, I wish Jade's fight went on a little longer, though, I'll tell you that. She got the arm bar in the first 45 seconds. I then I had just gotten my I had just gotten my gloves and hands wrapped too. So Matt was holding the pads right in front of me. I did a one two and I was like, okay, let's, let's get the good sweat going. Then all of a sudden, Mr. Pereira, you're up. Excuse me, you're up. Arm bar in the first round, 45 seconds. Like, oh gosh. So I had to scramble. But um, but yet again, it, it was it was amazing. It was amazing to be on uh on a card with a lot of local talent and i'm sure um i will be on bigger and better cards with a lot more of the ohio guys as well one day maybe in the ufc maybe bellator maybe any big organization down the line but no matter what organization uh it is 
we're going to show out, man. We're going to show out and we're going to take over. Absolutely. So with the fight itself, I know you mentioned the armbar submission in the second round, I believe. And you talked about how you hyperextended your arm. Did the thought of tapping ever come across your mind in that moment? No, not at all. Um, I, in training, I allow my arm, I, I'm, I'm pretty flexible. So my arm go, does bend a, a little bit more than it should. But once I felt that pop, once I felt that weird pressure on the side of my elbow and it, it was like, uh, I was so in the moment, he went belly down and I was able to go from here to here, uh, just to alleviate some pressure on the joint itself. So he was pressing on the side and I was so in the moment. I remember I had a cut on my nose and the blood dripped down from my nose and went straight to its sixth thigh. And I remember the, I was looking up at the ref and he was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, just give me a second. And I remember looking through his legs and I saw Gilbert Melendez on the far side freaking out as well. Uh, uh, just just this, you know, just just all this stuff. It was so in the moment. And I, the, the thought of tapping didn't even pass, pass through my head. He was going to have to break it. But it was either it was going to break or he was going to give up. And I endured and he gave up and I capitalized and I swiveled him around. I had him, his back of his head uh, was facing the fence. So I was looking almost directly into Coleman, my, my coach, Mark Coleman's face. And he was just like, get on him, on him, on him. And I just kept going until that bell rang. And when the third round, uh, the bell for the third round rang, I I knew I, I had it. I had it. Yeah, that's insane to me because I know lesser fighters probably would have tapped in that submission. How do you... I guess not panic in a submission like that and allow yourself to get out of it rather than making it worse or causing that to actually be the end of the fight. Just, just a lot of training, a lot of, um, I put myself into really bad situations when I'm training and I have to work my way out of it. And, you know, in training, of course, you're, you're allowed to tap, you're allowed to fail, but when I'm in there, I, I don't see failure. I, 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 I see my hand being raised every time. Of course, it's listed on at Tapology as a third round knockout via ground and pound elbows. Can you walk me through the finishing sequence in that final round? Absolutely. Um, I was shaking my arms out. I was, or at least my left one, at least I was shaking it out, touch gloves, and we immediately uh, spun around. I threw a jab cut an angle, got the calf, uh, calf kick in. I switched to southpaw, landed another solid body kick to the liver, kind of curled over, and I went one, two, and I stepped back into orthodox, and I saw him. It, it was just something I saw. He went hook body, and something told me, hook body, hook body, and I was like, okay, and I just spun. And my footing wasn't or it was it wasn't my footing it was just so slick and so slippery inside of that cage that i hit him and i remember spotting him over my shoulder and i was turning and i flew into the opposite direction and when i looked back up i thought he was going to be on me but i saw him just falling over his eyes had glazed over and he was just kind of uh shaken up so i dove right on top of him started hammer fisting um got him up against the fence was able to tie up his arm and I finished it with elbows. Then I just kept going and going and going until that ref pulled me off. Was it excessive shots? Maybe, maybe, but it's, it's my job to keep going and it's the ref's job to take me off when he sees enough. 
I love seeing that the finish came with elbows, knowing that you train at Immortal. Matt Brown had to be pleased with that finish, right? Absolutely. You know, that's uh, even even as an amateur, I've been drilling it with Matt. You know, I after everybody leaves, Matt's still there. Hey, can I can I try some stuff? And he's like, oh, or he just pulls me off to the side. Oh, come here, come here. And he just beats me up for another hour, you know. But um, elbows, we've been working on those extensively, and um, I'll be sure to showcase some some new tricks and new tools yeah. in my upcoming fight, October seventh. I apologize if I asked you this the first time, but the way you kind of talk about that finishing sequence in your last fight, just knowing exactly how it went down. I've talked to other fighters where in the moment in the fight, they kind of black out and on the other side, they're like, oh, what exactly happened in there? Are you just so dialed in that in the fight, you're in that present mind where you can actually remember step by step by step how you got the finish? Yes, um, I feel, and this is... Me personally, I I can go through the entire fight and I can say this happened. I messed up here. I have to improve on this. I did really good here, but what could what else could I improve on on this? Um, I, I can take it step by step by step every single one of my fights and every single sequence. You know, you, you, um, spar, uh, sparring is very important and you see certain things, you see certain tendencies. And once you recognize something, you act on it. But even more important than that, the drilling is even more important. So you just keep drilling, drilling, drilling. And once you see your opponent do that thing, you're just like, holy crap, I've been working to counter this. Or I've, uh, I've seen this before in sparring. I know what to do. Of course, somebody else would have probably just thrown a right hand, but I, something told me to spin and I spun. Yeah, so when you break down your fight at LFA 160, how happy are you with the performance? How would you grade it overall at LFA 160? I'd say 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10, nah, maybe even lower than that. Um, he connected on some very, very good shots, but I was able to pressure him going back. I put myself into some bad situations, um, or he put me into some bad situations, almost got a uh, flashed up a triangle. I was able to get out, but that arm bar, that arm bar, the, I had gotten out of a couple of his, um, arm bar attempts and I kind of didn't give it any respect. So when the third one came on, I was, it, it was very lazy. So I just kind of let it happen. And then all of a sudden all that pressure and I was like, Holy crap, is this it? No, I'm, I'm going to keep fighting. But maybe it was because of, uh, the lack of a warm-up maybe it was where my head was uh i don't know but um we always overcome and uh, adapt and i'm i'm just happy i got the w off of that always in the pursuit of perfection i love to hear it by the way how long did the hyper extension take to fully heal week week and a half maybe it comes and goes but we got to keep training nothing too serious no, not at all. Good. Talking to Josh the Fly in Hawaiian Pereira on Forge in Ohio. So your third pro fight goes down October 7th, Ohio Combat League 26. It's against Luke K9 Shokan, who I've also had on Forge in Ohio. I know there must be a lot more to this, but Josh, was this fight made in my comment section on Instagram? It was actually made in Ohio MMA News's Instagram or okay. Facebook or whatever it was, September of last year. He called me out. He said that he wanted to fight me. And I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. And I, be 
he was I think he was off for about a year at that point and the commission wouldn't allow him to have a pro debut because I was already looking for a pro debut I had a few fights fall through and I had already gotten my show money for 247 so I couldn't go back so it kind of got swept under the rug and I was like you know what keep training maybe we'll find each other down the line year later he knocks out his opponent in the first round in 25 seconds beautiful right hand you know I, I saw some things that um I'm just very excited for this matchup uh, he actually called out my friend Lucas uh, Siebert out of stout to fight him at 25 and no way Lucas is making 25 I spar with him, and he's a gigantic 35er. I go up to Stout all the time, get working with them. But then I kind of chimed in. I was like, hey, I've been waiting on you since September of last year. You want to do it? And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And even when the fight got announced, he's even been sending me messages over Instagram. He sent me, I had just gotten back from Toledo. I also teach kickboxing and MMA, and I train with Dante Leon and Max Hansen and a couple other great, uh, some of the best grapplers in the world out of Adamas in Toledo. And he texted me and it was 6 a.m. I just barely, I was still so tired and I just got home. And he texted me at 6 a.m. saying, good morning, sunshine, with a picture of him uh, running outside. And I was like, okay, good for you. I'm glad you're taking this seriously. I, and then he started not backpedaling necessarily, but he's like, I just want the best version of you. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, even though we are opponents, we are not enemies. We are not, uh, he's not my nemesis. This is just part of the job, you know, but he's a funny guy. He's a very funny guy. And um, I'll see how funny he is on Saturday, October 7th. Yeah, well said. I think it's crazy that this dates back almost a year right and now when i saw that on my instagram page and then i see the fight get announced by ohio combat league a few weeks later i was like whoa this is actually insane that this fight i guess progressed more through those comments have you ever had a fight come together like this before in your career not really um going back to trey wills for b2 i was supposed to fight him in dayton but he didn't want to do the same day weigh-ins he had pulled out against me three times but you know, just some banter back and forth. I'm not one to smack talk. I'm not one to aggravate because, you know, going into a fight, we all have the same emotions going into a fight. Butterflies in the stomach. But once those butterflies are in formation, it's ready to go. But uh, this will be the first time someone that's called me out a while ago comes up and says, hey, let's go again. I'm more than ready for him now. Is it difficult to create a game plan for a guy who's had just one fight in a two and a half year span? Well, um, he uh, he's a brawler. He's uh, calculated and he's also a very good grappler in the scrambling sense. Someone takes him down, he gets immediately back on top. He's also very good from the bottom with his overhooks, working on everything. Um, I see this the same as going into any of my fights. We have a solid game plan but anything that he throws at me i'll be able to counter and i'll be able to capitalize yeah and you've been very impressive so far inside the cage showing a variety of strikes and things you can do is there anything that you're trying to prove in the cage at this point or just are you trying to build on what you've already shown i just want to have fun yeah that's about it 
that's about it. I love it. It's your, I, I've heard you talk about it in other interviews and maybe you talked about it in our first one too, but it's that flow state that you have out there. And I've never heard another fighter talk about it in that aspect saying it is your flow state and it, it's just so natural for you. You throw the right strikes at the right time. Does it just boil down to the preparation before fights that all that materializes at the right time for you? It's everything. It's my training partners that push me through it. It's uh, my coaches that are giving me the combinations and they, they're the ones that see the things. They compile all the information on my opponent, find out his favorite feints, his favorite takedown, his favorite strikes. And I just capitalize and I just do my thing. Yeah. And once I get into my flow, good luck. So your last fight was for LFA. Now you're back with Ohio Combat League. Why the return to OCL instead of fighting for LFA again? We were supposed to get onto the October uh, 6th card for LFA in Dallas. Sadly, that didn't come to fruition. They had a problem with matching people up for their September card, so they weren't able to get around to me just yet. But it was was kind of like not divine intervention, more of just like, also to stay active as well he's a very tough opponent very tough wrestler very very tough all around and i'm always looking to improve on what i have and build up build up off of what i have yeah you mentioned staying active why was this almost the the perfect time frame for you this early october date you're telling me i don't have to go to dallas you're telling (laughs) me that i don't have to cut in another state you're telling me that it's just right up the road over there of course i'm gonna take that opportunity and i'm also looking to um almost a little bit of a redemption kemba live or express live when it was first called when i uh, when i made my amateur debut took that on a week's notice and i i lost and i haven't fought there since so maybe maybe it's a bit of a redemption maybe it's just because it's close maybe it's because uh all of my teammates and family out here, at least, can come in and watch. I don't know. I, yeah. I just like the fight. <laughs> yeah, I love that story of the fight, knowing that you lost in that building previously, try and get that win this time around. Do you see yourself fighting for LFA again down the road, though? We'll see. LFA, 247, mentioned something down the line. Anthony Pettis Fight Championships. Uh, they're always messaging me every so often, you know, uh, the Showtime group as well. So we'll see whoever, whenever, wherever, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're game for anything, man, I can tell. I know you like yes, to stay active, and this will be your 12th MMA fight in three years, but have you let yourself think past October 7th in terms of when you'd like to fight after that? I don't look past the opponent that's in front of me. The last time I did that, I was almost overwhelmed with all of the possibilities and I was focusing on everything else and not my opponent at hand. So we'll see after the fight, but right now I'm only focusing on Luke Choken. Yeah, good point, man. I got one more for you. I know we talked about your goals in MMA and a lot of big picture stuff the first time you were on, but I thought I'd throw this one at you as well. Where will Josh the Flying Hawaiian Pereira be this time next year, October 2024? Maybe in a big organization. I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to take it all in, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally we'll understand, man. You have the talent we to to make it there as well. I fully believe that. Before I wrap up, man, uh, anything you want to shout out in terms of social media handles, sponsors, teammates at the gym, man, uh, the floor is yours. 
No, of course, of course. Um, I'd like to thank my sponsors, Immortal Coffee over here, Immortal Martial Arts, Immortal Diet Optimization, Immortal Meals. We have a new brand of uh, meals coming out very, very soon. Don't Melt, my boy Miles Robinson, yes, Cam Jenkins, Lucas Siebert, Dante Leon, uh, Max Hansen, Matt Brown, Mark Coleman, Young Kid Adam. He's only 16 years old, but he, he's about to make his kickboxing debut over in Indiana very soon. He's a stud. Uh, Miles Frisch, Aloha Beef Chips, my sponsor back home, some of the best beef jerky you'll ever have, Drax THC, and uh, I want to dedicate my next fight to my grandmother that recently passed away as well, um, and I'll also be donating a good chunk of my fight purse when lose or draw to the Maui Food Bank as well. I'm sorry to hear about your grandma, and uh, that's a great story yes, there sir. as well. Uh, well, thanks again, man, for joining me on the show. It was a privilege to talk to you the first time, and I can say the same uh, this time around, especially with video this time. And the last time, it was just audio only. I know you're familiar. Yeah, this is so cool now. This yeah, is so cool. <laughs> I know. Fortunately, I has come a long way. It was episode 13, yeah. man. It feels like forever ago. Uh, but I know you are familiar with how I like to end these chats on Forge in Ohio. It's with the OHIO chant, even with your Hawaiian roots. So, OH. <laughs> I owe. Thanks, Josh. I can't wait for your fight against Luke on the 7th. I wish the best for both of you guys, and uh, you can guarantee we'll talk again soon, man. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. Hope to see you soon. Bye. That was Josh the Flying Hawaiian Pereira. He has turned his insanely successful amateur career into a 2-0 start as a professional. Now he returns to Ohio Combat League on October 7th, and he's fighting none other than Luke Canine Shokan, who was on episode 41 of Forge in Ohio. It should be a great fight, and I'm looking forward to two Forge in Ohio guys scrapping on the 7th. As always, I ask that you download episodes if you're on the audio side wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're watching with video on YouTube, then subscribe to the channel and leave the video a like to show your support. You can also find the show on Instagram and Facebook at Forged in Ohio. Thanks again for watching or tuning in. I've been your host, Jake Murrin, and this was Forged in Ohio.